Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Right, Lord God, I thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would help me now, Lord. God, I thank you for giving me this seed of an idea. You said to me, a tree, a house, a mountain. I pray, Lord, that you would help us now. Lord, not just to hear and have our ears tickled and and be entertained, but God, to have something deposited in us that changes us forever. Father, we need you. Holy Spirit, speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Lord spoke to me. I was actually talking to, I was having coffee with someone in our church, and um, I was not talking about this at all. We were talking about something completely different, and the Lord just said to me, a tree, a mountain, a house. Talk to the people about a tree, a mountain, a house. I didn't know what he was talking about, so I went home and I prayed and I studied, and the Lord showed me that this theme of a tree and a mountain and a house is actually quite a pervasive theme throughout the whole Bible. Last week I spoke about how Eden was uh, on a mountain with a tree, how Abraham on a mountain and a tree, Noah when he landed after the flood, mountain and a tree, uh, Abraham's son Isaac was going to be sacrificed, mountain and a tree, uh, Jesus was crucified, mountain and a tree, Jesus left the earth and is coming back, mountain and a tree, heaven and mountain and a tree, there's just so much throughout the Bible and we have to build a house there and last week I spoke about Abraham being called into the promised land and God said leave everything behind your family everything that's familiar go to a place that I will show you and when he arrived the Bible says that he came to a place called Shechem it's Genesis chapter 12 verse 6 it says he arrived at a place called Shechem which we know is between two large mountains Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim they're two huge mountains and there was a massive tree called a terebinth or an oak tree or a large tree and that's where Abraham found the promised land and when he arrived there God said this is the place even though Abraham it's taken you many years to get here you were a bit slow and disobedient you've now found the promised land and the Lord I believe very clearly said to me for us we're all looking for this place of God's blessing where God has called us to be. Lord, how do I know I'm where you want me to be? The Lord said to me, if we will just get the tree and the mountain and the house in order in our lives, a whole lot of other decisions will be a lot simpler to make. If I get the big pieces of the jigsaw puzzle put in place, the little pieces fit in a lot better. And so uh, last week we spoke about being obedient, how there is a place that we need to get to. This week I want to talk more about the tree and the mountain and make it more practical and applicable to our everyday lives. So you may be a young person and you're trying to decide on a career or or studying options or maybe a, a future spouse. Who should I marry or should I be hanging out with these friends? Or maybe as a parent, how do I make decisions for my family? How do I look after my my children and my family? Career decisions, where do I live? Uh, Church decisions, all these different decisions can be clarified if we understand that wherever God calls us to, there is always a tree and there is always a mountain and we build a house there. And I know it sounds a little bit abstract, but stick with me and you'll, you'll see what we're talking about as we go along. So let me just read to you a description from a, a historian and, an, and a, a Bible scholar about this place called Shechem where Abraham arrived. It says, the valley of Shechem extends several miles northwest between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. 
It is about 500 yards wide so that in the pure and elastic air of Palestine, the two mountains are within hailing distance of each other. The winter rains which fall in the eastern part of the valley find their way to the Jordan, while in the western part are numerous springs forming a pretty brook which flows towards the Mediterranean. Here, says Dr. Robinson, is a scene of luxuriant and almost unparalleled verdure that bursts upon your view. The whole valley is filled with gardens of vegetables and orchards of all kinds of fruits, watered by several fountains which burst forth in various parts and flow westward in refreshing streams. It came upon us suddenly like a scene of enchantment. We saw nothing to compare with it in the whole of Palestine. So Abraham went in there and he, it says he made his dwelling and he built an altar at the great tree of Moreh or the, the terebinth tree or the oak tree of Moreh between these big mountains. I want to talk about a tree. You know, what is it, when you think about a tree, so now I'm trying to make decisions for my life. I'm going into a career. I'm going into a relationship, perhaps uh, my family. There's all sorts of things changing. I'm struggling to deal with a child who's moving from being a small child to being a teenager. Whatever the different issues are, how do I deal with this? What is it about a tree that gives me guidance? And you know, the Bible is full of instructions and pictures about trees. One of them is when Jesus arrived on the scene at the beginning of his ministry he stood up right at the start of his ministry and he read from Isaiah he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to set at liberty the captives to give sight to the blind uh, to to give the gospel to the poor um, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and he was quoting from a passage in Isaiah which talks about the the anointing of the Lord the power of the Lord but you know what that passage says it says, um, I'm just going to read Isaiah 61 verse 3. It says, to console those who mourn in Zion. So this is the result of that anointing when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I, I know many of us here have, have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, when that happens, you'll be able to console those who mourn on Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You will be called trees of righteousness or other other translations say oaks of righteousness the result of being filled with the spirit and having the power of god's spirit being able to do miracles to set at liberty the captives preach the gospel all these things is we become called trees or oaks of righteousness it goes on to say the planting of the lord that he may be glorified i felt like the lord said to me that many of us have misunderstood the anointing thinking that it means that I have no roots. <laughs> Many of us think if I'm anointed by the Holy Spirit, then I just float around in this kind of super spiritual in-between world where I'm waiting to get beamed messages from heaven and I'm, I'm waiting for instructions and I'm kind of not rooted to anything. But actually the Bible says, when I've got the anointing of the Lord, I will be called a tree or an oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. There is something firm and established and unmoving about a person who is anointed by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever seen a Christian who is anointed by God? They have powerful gifts of the Holy Spirit moving in their lives. I've seen two types of them. I've seen those who are very gifted, but actually they don't bear any fruit 
in the long term. When I look back over their ministry over many years, there isn't a lot of fruit. But I've seen others who are anointed and there's fruit. There are other people who are growing in the Lord around them and being developed in their ministry. And the difference is some are planted and others are not planted. Just a thought for you. When we're blessed by the anointing of the Lord, we're planted as trees. So what does this mean? There's three things that I want to look at. Rooted or planted in the word, planted in our habits, and planted in relationships. So the word is the first one. Let me read to you Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So it's talking about three types of action. We can walk, we can stand, or we can sit in the, in the counsel of ungodly people. But it says, blessed is the man who does not do that, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. There's a place where I say, I'm not going to get my counsel, my guidance, my instructions. I'm not going to get my role model uh, pictures from other people. I'm going to get it from God's word. And this is the first thing that being rooted is all about, where I say, God, your word is my source for what I need in my life, my guidance, rather than looking at other people. He says we don't walk or stand or sit in the counsel of the ungodly or in the mockers and the, and the scorners around us. We don't look around to say, how is that pop star or that sportsman or, or that person in my life or that boss or schoolmate, how are they acting? Let me copy them. No, no. He says, I'm rooted in God's word. I look to God's word for my pattern for how I live my life, how I use my resources, how I express my desires, how I get my pleasure, my habits, my aims in life. Everything in life is rooted in God's word and I delight in his word. I find that that's where I get my instructions. Then I'm like a tree that's planted. You know, I, when I was growing up as a Christian, I had many, many friends, um, some of whom were non-Christians and some who were Christians, but they were living a very half-hearted Christian life. And as I proceeded with the Lord, a, quite a painful process took place where some of those relationships had to be cut off because I was going with what God wanted and they were not. And the most difficult, uh, there were some non-Christian friends who I'm still acquaintances with, but I'm not as close to. But the most difficult were the other Christians, people who call themselves Christians, but they were living in sexual immorality. They were living in addictions. They were, they were not following after God's ways. They would come to church meetings, but they were not hard after God. And I had to choose to make a separation. And it was painful. I'm sure many of you can relate to that. It's difficult. We're not going to walk and sit and stand with those who don't know the Lord. I'm going to get my delight and my guidance from the law of the Lord. I'm choosing to be planted in God's word. And even if my close friends don't follow, still I'm going that way. That's the first thing about being planted with the Lord. Is I've decided the word of God is my guidance. I wonder if you've made that decision. It's difficult. Believe me, I know it's difficult. 
I lost some extremely close friends. But one of those friends um, died last year. And just before he died, he got back in touch with me. And he came back to the Lord and he got full on with the Lord and then he, he died of a brain tumor. So I want to tell you that it's worth it. It's worth making the right choice because those people will thank you in the end. They'll look to you and they'll say, yes, you were right. Even though they put pressure on you and it's difficult at the time, you have to choose. I'm rooted in God's word. Even if Christians say, it's okay to do this thing. You don't need to be so fanatical for the Lord. Don't, don't do this. Don't. You say, no, I'm rooted. I've made a decision. I'm firm. Amen? The next one is in habits. The, the, the things that we will and won't do. The, the moral choices that we will and won't uh, make. I heard a man speaking. He's actually a man from another church in Jersey. A great, a great Christian man. Um, and he was speaking at an event about two years ago. And he was talking about being in business and having very difficult ethical decisions to make. And he said, you know what makes it a lot simpler is when you've decided beforehand which is the line you will not cross. He said, if you've decided in advance, not in the heat of the moment, when somebody's putting pressure on you and there's a lot of stress, you decide long before, this is my non-negotiable place where I won't go beyond this. He said, if you've decided that, life becomes easy. You've made the decisions in advance. Let me just read to you a passage um, from Psalm 15. The, the very last line of Psalm 15 says, He who does these things shall never be moved. That sounds like being planted, doesn't it? But listen to, listen to what Psalm 15 says. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly, who works righteousness, who speaks the truth in his heart. These are things where I've decided this is the person that I'm going to be. I'm not going to bend the truth. I'm not going to use exaggeration or manipulation to get somebody to do something or hide the truth from someone. I've decided whether it hurts me or not, I'm going to live like this. He goes on to say, he who does not backbite with his tongue. I've made a decision. I won't talk about someone else behind their back. Nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. I won't get bitter against somebody else. Even if they've done a terrible thing to somebody else, I will not take that bitterness on and say, oh, what a horrible person. I won't take up a reproach. Listen to what he says. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, and, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. Does that phrase jump out at you? It jumps out at me. He swears to his own hurt. In other words, if he says he will do something, even if it hurts him, he'll do it. You see, he's made a decision. My sons, uh, a few months ago, d uh, agreed to play at somebody's wedding, play music. And I was proud of them. I said, yes, they'll do it. But then a better offer came on. Play cricket for Jersey in England against other countries. Wow. And I said, Dad, can we, how are we going to do this? I said, you've said yes. You've got to do it. You see, that's swearing to your own hurt. But you know what? You're planted in the Lord. And you flourish in the Lord. It does not change. He who does not put his money out at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved. So let me challenge you. If you're going to be planted in the Lord, you have to decide there are certain things that I will not do. <laughs> No matter how good the offer is of money or friendship or opportunities, I just don't go there. And I've made that decision. And it applies to families as well. 
I encourage you, if you're a dad or a mum in a family, or maybe you're just a husband and wife together, whatever it is, make some decisions. Say, these things our family will not do. Other people may do them. We're not judging them. But we've made a decision. This is, this, is what we, this is who we are as a family. We pray. We obey the Lord. We give our finance. We go to church. We don't gossip and backbite. We keep our word. There's just a few basics. But what you're doing is you're putting down roots. Amen? Amen. You see, if you don't put down roots, it's very attractive to be blown around. Whoa, it's wonderful. You get lots more opportunities if you don't have certain guidelines. But the end result is if there's no tree, there's no fruit. If there's no root, there's no fruit in your life. And you'll end up 10, 20, 30 years down the line and you'll say, where's the fruit of my Christian life? There is none. My children are all over the place. They're not with the Lord. My family is in a mess. I haven't got any lasting relationships. There's no ministry fruit that's been produced on my life. Why? Because I didn't put down some roots which were painful at the time, but they produced fruit in the end. And then the last one is people. Psalm 92, verse 12 to 14. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. I love that verse. I love it. When you're planted in the house of the Lord, what happens is no matter how old you are physically, I, I was just so blessed by Sula Mate. You know, she is, she's not a spring chicken. She's a, a, a middle-aged lady. But she went to this youth camp and she was more young at heart than a lot of the young people. Why? Because she's planted in the house of the Lord. There's something of, of the sap, of the juice, of the life of God that comes into me when I'm planted in a community of Christians. And I can't explain it fully. It's a miraculous thing. When a person is planted in a community of other believers, and it's not always people we would normally associate with, people of different races, different ages, different backgrounds, but we're planted and we're committed together in a, in a community of believers called a church, we're a family of God, the life, the sap, the, the power of God flows into us and we're fl fresh and flourishing even if we're old. I've seen it. I've seen it again and again and again. There's an old man uh, who uh, witnesses on the streets of Jersey. He's 86. I think his cousin is in our church. And he is just so full of the joy of the Lord. I spoke to him recently. He had this terrible ulcer, bleeding ulcer on his leg that wouldn't heal for years and years and years. But it didn't stop him. He was out there every single day witnessing on the street, just the joy of God just beaming out of his life. I said, how do I get like that? When I'm 86, instead of being a, a grumpy old person with just, you know, horrible, horrible personality, how do I become a, a life giver at that age? The answer is you, you planted in a group, of, in a family of Christians. Because they give us strength and God's spirit comes in and, he, and his power flows in. Amen? You know, when Jesus said in John chapter 15, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask whatever you want and my Father in heaven will do it. That's the picture of being planted, abiding, planted in into the, the vine, the, the tree of God, and that includes God's people. I can't be 
planted on my own. I am not a tree on my own. I'm a part of a tree and the rest of our family are the rest of the tree and we're planted together and then God's life and his power flow in. Amen? I'm going to talk more about the mountain next week, but just to say the mountain speaks of a mission, something bigger than me, something that challenges me, something that stretches me, something that I look at it and I say, wow, can I really climb that thing? It's going to take a bit of training, a bit of discipline. I'm going to have to watch how I act, how I eat, get up a bit early, work a bit hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to use some energy, but I'm going to climb this mountain. That's what a mission is in our lives. And Christian, if you don't have something like that in your Christian life, in your family, as a family, we've got to have things that stretch us in relationships. If you are trying to decide, is this boy or girl the person I should marry? You need to ask yourself, are they rooted? Do they have a tree? But do they have a mission that is big, that is from God, bigger than them, something that will stretch them that they can't do without God's help? If they don't, you don't want to marry them. You say, why not? We love each other. Because there's more important things than the gooey feelings of love. In 20 years time, you want to be doing something together as a husband and wife. And the thing that will keep you going is the mission that God has given you. You know, when I met my wife, I was so blessed because she loved God and she wanted to serve God. And I said to her, we might not have money. We're going to be serving God. We might be pastors, missionaries. I don't know. We might even go. I said to her, we're probably going to Israel. Because I really believe the Lord wanted me to go to Israel. And I said, we're probably going to Israel to be missionaries. And we could get killed. Because that was the time when the, um, the Kuwait war was happening. And there were bombs flying out all over the place. That was 1991 was when we got married. And I said, we could get killed. She said, that's okay. We, we, we're going to serve the Lord. We had a mission that was much bigger than us. Rather than, we're just going to have a nice little house with a little picket fence. We're going to have a nice little bank account. We're going to go to the same job every day. And then when we're 70, we'll get tired and we'll die. No. <laughs> Life's more than that. We've got to have something worth living for. We've got to have a mountain. And we've got to say, if God doesn't help me, I can never do this. You know, our finances are a big part of this. If our uh, giving doesn't stretch us, then it's not really giving. Amen? It's, it's just giving a tip. You give a tip to the waiter at the end of a meal. It, it's nothing. But our giving should stretch. Oh, that hurts. Why? Because I'm trusting God to provide. Then there's a mountain that I'm working towards. Right, I want to just close. Mark chapter 11. I don't even know how long I've been talking, so I hope it's about the right length. Mark chapter 11. Sometimes there are mountains and there are trees in our lives that are not of God. Amen? If there, if there is a real good tree and a good mountain, you can guarantee there will be a counterfeit that the devil will give you to try and draw you away from the law. So if there's a good tree of being rooted in God's family and in his, in his word, then the devil will give you another good thing to be rooted in. If there's a good mountain, a mission to serve the Lord, the devil will give you the option of a bad mountain. And so Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, those two mountains in Genesis 12, when Abraham came into the promised land, there was the big oak tree and there were two mountains on either side. Several years later, when the 
Israelites enter the promised land for good, God said, puts half of the tribes of Israel on Mount Ebal, half of the tribes on Mount Gerizim, half of them will say the curses that will happen for disobedience, the other half will say the blessings that will happen for obeying the Lord. And then in Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, Moses says, choose this day, I've set before you life or death, blessing or cursing, choose this day life so that you may live and your descendants, your family after you, all the generations after you will be affected by the choice you make. But I want to say to you that just as God has a tree and a mountain for you, the devil has one too. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just not the best thing that God has for you. He'll give you the option of marrying a person who's not the right one for you. They're not a bad person. It's just not the one. Or he'll give you the option of getting really involved in a career, that's not a bad thing. But if it's not what God wants you to do, or if you're not using it to, to serve God's kingdom, it's not the right thing. There's a choice. There's always a choice. And we have to choose which one am I going to serve. So in Mark chapter 11, Jesus had been walking to the temple and he'd seen a fig tree that didn't have any fruit on it. Do you remember the story? Jesus is walking. Okay, let me read you the story. You guys don't understand the story, I can tell. Nobody said yes. Nobody smiled. <laughs> now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Verse 20, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. What's this all about? Jesus sees a tree and it doesn't have any fruit. It's not even the season for fruit, but he curses it. And then when they ask him about it, he says, you can say to this mountain. And he wouldn't have said this mountain unless there was a mountain there. So there's a mountain and a tree and they're not of the Lord. And Jesus says, you curse them. <laughs> That's what he says. You see, there's a time for us to make a choice where I say, I see this option and this option. I choose this one. And when, when we say curse, what we're saying is, I'm withdrawing my blessing, my life, my attention, my focus, my affection from that thing. I'm cursing that option. I will not. I love you, brother, Sean, my friend. He was my best man at my wedding. I loved him. But you know what? He wasn't serving the Lord. So I said, I can't. I can't walk with you anymore. I've got things to do for the Lord. And it was painful. And I lost that relationship. And praise the Lord, it, it was restored later. But I, I had to turn away from it. And there may be mountains in your life that you have built or that you wanted to achieve. You know, ambitions and things that you were going for. And you have to say, I'm turning away. I'm cursing it by pulling away from it. And I'm speaking life to this other thing. That may be a small thing in my life at the moment, but I want to pursue that thing. I'm speaking to it and I'm, I'm giving it life. Friends, today's a day of choosing. 
Just like Moses said, I lay before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life that it may go well with you and all of your descendants after you. Generations of children and children and children to come. Choose life today. Choose life. If you are rooted in God's word, if you're rooted in habits that you will not break, if you're rooted in people who you're committed to, life will flood into you. If you have a mission that's bigger than you, that's given by God, life will flood into you. And then all those other decisions about where shall I work, how shall I use my money, what shall I do with my time, all those other things will fall into place. I promise you, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added to you as well. So let's stand together. Ask the worship team to come up and play for us. Thank you, God. You know, the Lord, I believe the Lord spoke to me this week. Actually, he woke me up in the middle of the night. And I was having a dream of a man who I know, who's another pastor, praying a prayer. And the man was praying not a very fervent prayer. It wasn't a very spiritual prayer. He was just saying... God, I pray for, and then he was praying for a couple of things. And the Lord said to me, it's just your words, Greg. If you will just say the words, it's not the emotion or the ritual or the atmosphere. Just say the words. That's enough. As long as you mean it from your heart, that's enough for me to answer your prayer. And I, I felt like the Lord really challenged me to actually verbalize, to say what I'm asking him for and to, what I'm thanking him for. And so I'm going to encourage you to do that today. While we're singing or, or in the next couple of moments, just say, Lord, I'm choosing. I'm rejecting that. I'm choosing this. I'm rooting in this. I'm, I'm focusing my life on this and I'm turning away from that. And if you'll say it and you'll mean it with your heart, God will change something significant in our lives today. So God, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for us as a church that, Lord, you are planting us as a tree that will bear much fruit and will produce a shelter for so many, many people around the world. And I pray, Lord, that you would grow us. Grow us. Bless us. Make us prosper and flourish. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.